0: Friends, welcome from downtown Fayetteville, North Carolina, and Stories from the Center, I am David Blackman. We believe a podcast can facilitate helpful and holy conversation concerning justice, freedom, and peace. These are real concerns for the Fayetteville community, especially as our city continues to navigate our history, our present realities, and our future possibilities. Participants will reflect on what justice means, the connection freedom has within our community, as we are uniquely positioned to our neighbors at Fort Bragg, and the desire to live together in peace. Through seeking the stories of our people, we will find and celebrate the places where justice, freedom, and peace intersect and inspire listeners to practice the same. The question that we ask all of us, including the listeners, when telling your story, how have justice, freedom, and peace impacted your life? So friends, today we welcome Reverend Frederick Culbreth, who grew up in Twin City, Georgia, under the loving and watchful care of his parents, Reverend Isaac Jr. and Mrs. Christine Culbreth. And I thank God in the community of Lewis Chapel Missionary Baptist Church here in Fayetteville, where Reverend Culberth was licensed and ordained to preach the gospel under the direction and guidance of his father in ministry, Pastor Dr. John D. Fuller, Sr. Friends, in April of 2019, Frederick became the senior pastor at First Baptist Church on Moore Street here in Fayetteville. First Baptist, I didn't know this, is the oldest missionary Baptist church in Fayetteville. Married to Tracy for 23 years, they're the proud parents of Megan, Morgan, and Madison, and the proud grandparents of a granddaughter, Jordan. Prior to arriving at First Baptist, um, Reverend Culbreth served as pastor of the second New Light Missionary Baptist Church in St. Paul's, North Carolina for six and a half years, where he also served as president of the Pastors and Ministers Conference of Union Missionary Baptist Association. He's a 2019 recipient of the Rhythm of Gospel Pastors of Excellence Award. Um, Reverend Culberth retired from the military in 2012 as a senior warrant officer after 21 years and nine months of honorable service to his country. In 2008, while Frederick was a chief warrant officer at Fort Story, his family was named the Armed Services YMCA of Hampton Roads five-star military family for the Army and the Fort Story family of the year. Of course you all were. The Culberth (laughs) family were actively involved in life on post and were recognized for their overwhelming volunteerism in the community. During his military service, um, Reverend Calberth continued his formal education (coughs) graduating from Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia with a Bachelor of Science degree. He holds a Master of Divinity from the Campbell University Divinity School in Bowies Creek, North Carolina, just up the road from us here in Fayetteville. And he's currently pursuing the Doctorate of Ministry degree at Campbell. Frederick, it is a joy to welcome you to the program today. I am grateful as we've been um, sharing coffee times um, down at Rude and Wakenings every month. It's just a pleasure to have you come by and want to just give you a chance to say hello.
1: Great to be here, Pastor Blackman. Thank you, and uh, thank you to the church for having us to be a part of this uh, podcast, and I've been looking forward to having this conversation. Of course, we've been enjoying uh, downtown Fayetteville together, looking forward to the spring and mm-hmm. the great things that are going to happen as we uh, continue to serve God and prepare to prayerfully go back into worship sooner rather than later. Amen to Face-to-face worship, anyway, Amen sooner rather that. than later.
0: We've both been talking about that, and... And, and to give some context for folks listening, wherever they're listening from, I've been joking that this past week it feels like yellow snow is falling all around. Oh, us. yeah, yeah, yeah. Really heavy falling. <laughs> really heavy falling. Um, but we're grateful for your presence here today, and I'm just um, really thankful that God has, has led us to be together in these, these conversations we've enjoyed with them, really since George Floyd. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that brings us to this first thought today as we come together um, in this place, this this sound studio that Justin's created for us here in the gym at A Street, this morning a few hours ago, um, opening statements started up in Minneapolis and and we have been blessed I've been blessed truly, by the conversations we've shared together, Frederick, and trying to lean into this current reality for Fayetteville, some of our history and then certainly what could be for the future. Mm-hmm. And I'd love this to open up with um, maybe a story of justice and however you can help us to enter into this space t- today. Let's talk about that first, if we could.
1: Uh, when we talk about justice, I think about the fact, uh, you know, when I think about my childhood and how I was raised, s- justice is really allowing right to be right. Mm. Uh, and that's how I was raised. It's right is right, wrong is wrong. I wasn't raised necessarily. uh did it had anything to do with the color of my skin or where I was from. It was just wrong is wrong and right is right. I like that. And so that's that's justice. Sure. That's justice.
0: Frederick, can you talk to us a little bit about your your upbringing? And you've shared a couple stories with me about Twin City, Georgia. Give us oh, a, yeah. <laughs> a, an idea where that is in Georgia <laughs> and just maybe um, what life was like there for you.
1: Twin own. City, Georgia is uh, in is located in southeast, southeastern part of Georgia. Uh, actually, I'm not even from Twin City. I'm about five miles down the highway, off the highway, about three or four miles down the dirt road from twin city so <laughs> i'm from the backwoods of georgia southeast georgia if anyone has ever heard of most people have heard of the georgia southern eagles great football team we're about 30 miles south of them so we're in that statesboro augusta savannah about 30 in between all three of those around there somewhere so Twin City is a very small place i don't think we have a name brand not even a name brand convenience store everything is it's mom and pop, mom so and pop and pop. we have one, one signal light and one caution light, I think. Awesome.
0: Yeah, yeah. Well, truly small-town America. Mm-hmm. Small-town America. Small-town. Um, growing up with a father who was a pastor, um, right is right. Um, did you experience or watch within um, that time of, of, um, of being shaped and molded? Does, is there one story that just sort of sticks out for you, Frederick, about learning that right right is right?
1: Uh I don't know if there's one particular story um because it was just something that was in every direction that I that I turned uh for for the most part when it came to you know how you treat people from as you know I was raised on the farm of my paternal grandfather which I I was raised by my parents but we lived on my paternal grandfather's farm and my maternal grandparents lived only five miles, we were divided by five miles of dirt road, and they were farmers as well. Actually, my grandfathers uh, used to farm together so, you know, dealing in, in situations like that, the stories that I, I remember most about, you know, justice are are uh, things being like they should be is that, you know, one good turn, you know, uh, deserves another. People just treating each other right and being upright and above board. And I saw that, you know, a lot between my grandfathers. They would help each other out yeah. uh, with their farms and, and different things like that. And one would do this and another would turn and do that. So I saw that a lot yeah. uh, in my upbringing.
0: So that family connection was a really important part mm-hmm. for your families being oh, yeah. so close to each other. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, as, as justice is on the mind of many today, and, and as we've talked about um, what happened here in Fayetteville, what is happening here in Fayetteville, and then thinking about what's happening in Minneapolis today, and so many people sort of being caught up in this idea of justice. Mm-hmm. Frederick, do you see that there is a hopefulness of us as a, as a community, as a nation, as a global community, that, that we understand that and that we're getting better with respect to being right is right in the world today? I,
1: I have to be honest. I don't know if we're getting any better. Uh, and I don't say that likely, but I say I don't know if we're getting any better. But what I do know is that if we allow justice to be justice, we wouldn't be in the situation that we are in what we're in now. Okay. Justice, as I began to describe it, and that's the way I, I describe it as right being right. Justice is you treat a person according to how they should be treated or whatever the circumstances are. You shouldn't have to have uh, a certain amount of influence to be treated justly. You shouldn't have to have a certain amount of resources to be treated justly. Sure. If we would let justice be justice, we wouldn't have a lot of the problems that we have. Hmm. You okay. know, you 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 shouldn't be put in a position where per se you're not guilty of you're not guilty of say a, a crime if someone if there was a crime committed and you got blamed for it and you were innocent you should be able to go to court with whatever the resources are and be found innocent simply because you're innocent not because you have Enough money to tie up the the legal system to turn over enough rocks to prove your innocence. <laughs> you should just be innocent because you're innocent. And and, and, and on, the, on the other hand is you have some who are in, who are guilty, but have enough money and enough resources to uh, infuse enough doubt sure. that they come away you know as being found innocent of something they're actually guilty of. Sure. So if justice, was, if justice was truly justice, uh, we wouldn't have um, a lot of the problems that we have. I was reading that information. It was talking about when to, the, the trial beginning in, in the George Floyd trial. And it was talking about one of the articles I was reading was talking about the downtown um, businesses are boarded up and everybody's kind of sitting in expectation. You know, we've made that. We've made that problem. You know, sure. whoever whoever it is, whoever, you know, steered their steered their finger in justice has made that problem. Right. Because if people believe justice was justice, you wouldn't have rights after after a, a verdict came out, whether it was what people thought it should be or what they thought it shouldn't be because they would know that it's just. Sure. So people, you know, if this game comes back with George Floyd, um, preferably it won't, but more than likely it will, there are going to be protests. And the bad thing about that is when you start messing with justice is um, justice I believe can stand all on its by itself all along. But when we start messing with justice, that's when we throw things off. That's when we put a can't into it. Because now people are not only seeing looking to see if the the the, the plaintiff uh, if the defendant is guilty, but when you mess with justice, then you gotta look and see is the defendant guilty? Yes or no. Then if they are guilty, are they are they going to be found guilty? Because what we've had so many cases where people have been guilty, but they were not found guilty, sure. not because there was a a, a, a a miscarriage of justice or something was left out. Something was decided because that's the way that whoever the powers to be decided. That's the way it was going to work. Sure. So.
0: As we, as we consider all of that happening, and as we both share this role of pastor, righteousness comes to mind, certainly when we, mm-hmm. we hear the word justice. And, and I, I find myself struggling in the midst of that in this day and age of, you know, what is righteous? Mm-hmm. You know, how would, how would Jesus help me and teach me um, and lean into what is righteous in this day and age? Do you find, um, Frederick, in your work as a pastor— um, how often does that come up for you, for us in these daily kind of ordinary times that we live in that, that we have conversations that may not say the word righteous, mm-hmm. but maybe getting to that point of, well, what's right is right. Yeah. Um, let justice be justice.
1: J- exactly. Same, same thing with let justice be justice. Um, what's righteous is what's right in the eyes of God, mm. but where we as people, as as I say, human beings, I won't say men. Where we as human beings mess up, uh, or are get things unbalanced, is when we come up with our our own belief of what righteous is. So, and you can look at denominations, a certain sex of of people, and say you can look at two sects of people. One set of people look at the word and read the word as the righteousness of God. And then you got the other set that look at the word and read the righteousness of God. But they support two separate, totally (laughs) separate things because they made up in their mind, you know, that they put, one of them may have put the culture, what they see of culture, how they think things should be uh, into what righteousness is. And that's not what righteousness
0: is. Righteousness is, is just righteousness. Right. And what's right by Jesus? Exactly. And, and so that might lead us into this next this next thought about freedom, because we have the freedom, right? We have the freedom mm-hmm. to interpret, exactly. and have that imbalance of interpretations of mm-hmm. what's going on. So, how does freedom come into this? How does freedom is freedom separate from justice? And 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 that's a that's one word with maybe multiple meanings. But where does freedom come into this for you? As we have those folks who have the freedom to choose on yeah. what's right. On yeah, what's well, right. you know,
1: there there are many places around the world that do not uh, have the freedoms that we have here, you know, in America for all of our all of our problems and all of our issues. I mean, it's still I believe, you know, one of the greatest places in the, one of the greatest countries in the, in the world. You've said
0: that before to yeah. me, absolutely. absolutely. <laughs> but
1: but but freedom um, if we would tie freedom to to justice and righteousness, it would lead us to make the proper, proper, proper decisions. Uh, what I've seen here, more so uh, recently in this year, in you know, this past, I would say this past year, 2020 into to now, these past 12 months, has been more of a freedom, really being a, a, a freedom to, as you say, interpret as I would, or what I believe. Mm-hmm. And so when you have that type of, that type of freedom, you know, it's if you believe that something is not righteous or something is is not just, that's what you believe and what this one believes. So, freedom really gives us gives us the freedom to have so many different in, interpretations. But if we would tie that freedom to justice, it would draw us back to the right interpretation.
0: So, so yes, right. <laughs> so, but but is freedom? I, I the struggle that I have with freedom right now is it? It seems like freedom is leading us into into In all these different divisions. Exactly. Like, because of our freedoms, we have more and more groups that are saying, well, I have the freedom to choose this way. I have the freedom to choose this way. And by having all those freedoms, are we losing a sense of of what it is to be a community? And that's what I'm struggling with. I think Mm -hmm. that that's the piece that how do we help people live into those freedoms but not lose sight of the comment about... You still feel like we're the greatest country to be living. Yeah.
1: It's a, it's a thin line for me mm. because you don't want to. You live in a, a country that you know, talks freedom, and you don't want to. You don't want to restrict people's freedoms, but you know how far is too far when it comes to that. Because there are some people who you know now see themselves uh, as patriots of, of freedom, who are just outright not good people. But they see themselves as
0: patriots. Sure. Ah. Uh, so maybe that's the tie, <laughs> Frederick, freedom to righteousness again, or freedom to yeah. justice. Is it when when freedom starts to infringe on another's justice? Justice. Exactly. That might be a that, that that's n- the the thin line no longer is thin anymore. Exactly.
1: And yeah. that's what I was saying about it. if we were to tie our freedoms to justice, it wouldn't be such a such a such a big problem. But you are going to take your freedom, your freedoms to oppress or hold others down or look at other other people as, you know, second class to you or you being superior and them being inferior. Well how can you tie that back to justice? Yeah. If you were to tie it back to true justice and righteousness, it would level itself out. Yeah.
0: We gotta be careful as two pastors we might get to preaching here, so we gotta be careful, but <laughs> yeah. but I appreciate your thoughts about yeah. this. And and so go back for me on another thought about freedom. You're you're a guest that has twenty one Mm-hmm. Years, nine months in the military. Certainly, freedom's a big part of that that service.
1: Yeah. Oh, that's a, it's a big part of it. Uh, that's why I went into the military. And I'll be honest. Uh, last summer, with all all of the, the the racial injustice and the protests and riots, for me, it was like a potter keg. Um, the things that I saw, you know, you can have people who who look at you could have looked at me or at being an African American male uh, and said I was this or said I was that. And I'm a patriot. I spent 21 years and nine months. I had to get to the point where, you know, I used to, when I retired, probably put my flag lapels on, probably put my retired army the lapel on. I had stopped not wearing those things. And then I thought to myself one day, you know, I did this service for my country and for the benefits of myself and my family. So who gets to tell me, who, what gives a group who do, who do not see me as equal to them, what gives? who gives them the authority or the right? to say that I'm not a patriot so I think more people who are really patriots need to start standing up because you know even we see um when the riots happened in January and it it came back and the numbers talking about how many veterans and previous you know when you think about that we're serving there with those same same people so what makes what makes them more of a patriot than me because their perception is this is what patriotism is. Back to freedoms.
0: Back to, freedom. back to, freedoms. Back to freedoms again, sure. <laughs> but, but, then, but then back to right is right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that's the, that's the struggle right now yeah. of, of trying to figure all that out. Yeah. If, if I'm sorry.
1: Oh, no, interestingly enough, you know, especially in the Vietnam era, I speak about an era that, you know, I've heard some history on, a little bit more current history, with African-American males being recruited to go, into the military so you can be recruited and put in the military and put on the front line to, to lose your life and that was th- that's really been the problem with a lot of uh african-american people uh when it came to you know military service uh whether it be vietnam or before that time civil war and you know all the uh, korean war on it is world war ii uh you can be recruited to go and fight and be put on the front lines But you're supposed to be expected to come home and then bow down to a person who could be equal to you. So you're not really a you're not a patriot patriot. I think I sent you an article a few weeks ago about how when soldiers were coming back and all the good things that were put in place for them to uh, benefit from. But yet black service people were not given the opportunity. They couldn't even live in those communities that people paid thirty, forty thousand dollars 40000 for. Now their descendants are selling those houses and properties for $200,000, dollars But they served just like, you know. And I guess to try to, try to put some credence to that, they were put in uh, positions, you know, cooks or logistics. You got to have all those people too, just, you know, just as much. But I guess to try to say they're not real you know, fighters or whatever, whatever, whatever that that's supposed to be. But you know, that that's that's been a, a major issue, sure. a major issue.
0: Sure. And in a place where we we struggle again in our country of trying, the country that we both claim is a good country to live mm-hmm. in, certainly, but we still have so much work to do. Exactly. So much work to do. Um, Frederick, as we as we think about these um ideals of justice and freedom. Is there a hope for peace? I mean, is is peace happening out there? And how are we, you know how are you um, shepherding your flock in the midst of a, you know a, a year plus long pandemic now? Mm-hmm. Are you seeing moments of peace for folks? Are you experiencing that? Is there a hope for peace to come? I think there
1: I think there's always a hope for peace, especially for those who believe in Jesus Christ and are, are followers of Christ. We're always looking and that is our desire to always, you know, have peace. And, you know, like I said and we talked about many times, you know, last summer was it was like a potter keg for a lot for a lot of people. For me, it was just like constant pressure all the time with you know, to to have to be in a country who it seems like have come so far yet to see things blatantly play out the way they do and you know really not being as upset much so as much so as just can't figure out or understand why certain things are done Uh, just like you know the government in Georgia just basically placed an attack on Mm -hmm. on voting rights in Georgia and yet you know it seemed like it would have dawned on somebody well let's not make this look you know too outlandish but they put six white men in a room by themselves signing the bill i mean you know i would advise them you know <laughs> kind of mix it up you know i sure. know it's it's bad enough what you're doing but you know but six white men just just basically blatantly show you, you know this is where we are on this sure. you sure. know so yeah i think there's peace there's always a hope for for peace and we always want to 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 try to to live in live in peace but then again you know we have grown to understand that you have to speak up sometimes and allow your voice to be heard which you call speaking truth to power and sometimes that 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 causes an unrest yeah. but it has been civil unrest a lot of times that have caused things to change to move the needle the little bit that it has moved what would we be when it concerning you know voters' rights if there had never been a peaceful march on Washington or you know marching marching Selma or people marching all over the South? So, you know, it, we want peace definitely, but sometimes it it causes unrest. You know, in order to try to get justice, sure, you have to make other you have to make those who hold hold the reins uncomfortable at times. At times, in order to get justice,
0: sure. Frederick, I think that's the, the, the piece to maybe share with our listeners is is if I, if I can here without without hurting our relationship. I think that's the piece for you and I coming together mm-hmm. is that the P-I-E-C-E, that piece of, of sharing a cup of coffee, of, of learning and seeking and trying to understand one another, I know that that's offered me hope for peace yep. um, because you have shared with me stories that, um, Help me have a better understanding of the history of the black man in, in the United States that I didn't learn when I was in middle school or high school or college. And I think when those stories become real for me because of a friend who's willing to share those stories, all of a sudden peace looks different and a desire to try to um, strive for that that sense of peace. That's, I think, what, what I've learned um, from our time together and certainly look forward to more of that time together. And I hope that our listeners, I think that there's always there's always a um there's a there's a level of risk involved I mean we didn't know each other yeah. um, we we did some you know downtown church stuff mm-hmm. together but, exactly. but something led us to say let's try this mm-hmm. and and we did and and I know I'm better for that Frederick and I just appreciate you being willing to um, to engage in those conversations to have the tough conversations that that maybe we're afraid to have but with some trust we can have
1: yeah and I don't and I and uh, I don't think th- that the, the, what seems to be a majority stance against teaching real American history and real black history, more so than has been said, making Americans hate America, I think more so than that, as, as you were just saying, when we can understand why a people or why a certain group of people is a certain way or, or how they view things the way that they do, it helps others to understand the angle that they're, that they're coming from. You know, because I don't believe I don't believe everyone who has a view different than me uh, may necessarily be a, a racist person. I actually believe that there's some people who who really think everyone is on a a, a a even footing, a level footing, when really that's not the case. There's some people who actually believe everyone kind of stands on a level footing, and that's not the case. And that's why you have underperforming schools. They're underperforming schools because they're in what underperforming. Neighborhoods and, you know, the, the mother who's worked all night right. or she's the kids are coming in and the mother's going to, to work or, you know, so there there's there's not level footing for everybody. And I believe as we grow to understand that we can grow to understand why we need assistance programs, why we need these other things to try to help. No one is trying to take anything that anyone else has really just trying to give everybody a level playing field
0: build up, build yeah. up, yeah. build
1: up, which is good for the entire country. Right. It's the same thing I always say about about school teachers. You know, I, I don't understand how we can underpay school teachers when school teachers are the people who are educating the future of the country. Right. So I don't I don't I, I can't see how anybody can make an argument about that. Sure. And the same thing with, with um charter schools or, or schools of choice. That's great. Yeah. But then you have some kids who, whichever some kids who need to go to school and get an education, yes, they need that family environment around them to help them thrive and develop and grow, but sometimes they don't have that. Mm-hmm. But at least, at a minimum, every child should be able to go to a good, uh, a, a high-quality school sure. to get a high-quality education. Sure.
0: I've always said, my, my wife's a teacher, Frederick, and I, I've always said that um, as I've tried to in, in, invest some energies in, in my locations as a pastor and going into a school and trying to help kid read, whatever that task might be that's before me as a volunteer. I remember saying to Jackie coming home after one of my first times here in Fayetteville, and she asked me, well, hey, how to go with um, how to go with that that moment there with the first graders um, in Sarah, Sarah Beasley's classroom, and, and I said, you know what struck me, Jackie, that as I sat there with this youngster who's a first grader, who's just learning how to read, is that I wanna do my best to help that child read, because you know what, one day, that child may be writing me a prescription.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And I want to make sure that child can read and know what's going on because I want that child to succeed because there's going to come a day that I can't do for myself. And I want to make sure that these children, these teachers are supported of, of teaching this future generation. But they're a present generation that needs to be taught well, that, that needs to um, to have a peaceful environment um, to learn in, the freedom to learn and to study as best they can, and and that all of those pieces for me are really valuable. They're important because they're a part of our community. That's the fabric of who we are, and if our children are not learning well, then then we've all got to roll up our sleeves and find out a way to help those children learn better. Exactly, and that's
1: exactly it. what what you said uh, concerning uh, young people, children, what all being equal. It's it's the same thing for this great country that we live in, you know. We look at how how far or how advanced the United States of America is. I say the United States of America does not know what it has missed out on or how much further ahead it can be, it would be as a country if we would allow everybody to come to the table. I heard that explained the best way I could have ever heard it explained is like it's not what has been done to hold people down, but really and truly, you're holding the country down. You thought that mm. these people who were on the cutting edge and doing great things, well, you had a, a bunch of them who you didn't even give the opportunity. You've missed out on a lot. Mm. America missed out on a lot by trying to hold different groups of people down. Yeah, <laughs> we we actually put our we put ourselves behind. My mama used to call it. What she used to call it? You cut off your tongue. You cut off your your nose. To spite your face. Sure, <laughs> you know. Sure. Sure. So we held ourselves down.
0: Yeah. 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 So so missed opportunity becomes limited potential being exactly. realized mm-hmm. because we're not taking advantage of those opportunities, and then advantage. and then youngsters aren't living into that potential. Exactly. It's there. Exactly. And, you got
1: people who they 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 don't grow up in good neighborhoods. They don't have good schools to go to to get a good education. So. What is their expectancy besides what they see lived out in front of them, whatever that situation may be in their lives or in their neighborhood? Every child has the capacity to learn. You know, some of us have a higher capacity for learning than others, but it doesn't have anything to do with race. That's just, you know, individuals, sure. you know, but the, the average person can do well given the proper opportunities.
0: Yeah. Amen. I think the piece, um, Frederick, you and I have spent lots of time talking about, we can talk about it. We can um, invest all this energy having coffee together over mm-hmm. it. And, it and, and then it always becomes, so then what's next? Yeah, exactly. You know, we, we talk about all the, the issues, all the struggles, but now what? Mm-hmm. And how will we try to live into whatever it is that the Lord's placing on our hearts to be engaged in? And I hope that our listeners the same thing as we, as we try through this podcast to have conversations about justice, freedom and peace my dream, my hope is that that's leading to action. Mm -hmm. And that's leading to places where people can be invested in relationships to go and and realize their potential to try to help folks that may be missing out on opportunities to live into some opportunities that they may not know exist. Um, But I hope that that's maybe a a byproduct of this kind of kind of conversation through this podcast. Um, I appreciate you taking the time today to talk about these three topics. Any other thoughts for us to to throw out there to give us something to chew on it's, as we wrap up? It's been
1: great to, to be here today as always. Enjoy and look forward to our conversations. And as you said, you know, what comes. what comes next? All of us can begin by looking at each other, looking at any person that we encounter as a fellow human being. You know, everybody comes from, people come from different backgrounds, different situations. But if we all start looking at each other as human beings that's why you know the second greatest command is love the greatest command is love thy neighbor as thyself if we start looking at people in love then yeah. we want to hold back a whole will not want to hold back or hold anyone down but we will all want to try to help each other up absolutely forward.
0: love covers justice freedom and peace mm-hmm. especially when we look at that from a biblical lens and trying to follow this um this uh, savior called jesus yeah. for sure Frederick, I thank you. I thank you so very much. We always thank Justin for our engineering expertise and the work that he does for us. We also give a shout-out to our sponsors, the North Carolina Conference of the United Methodist Church, the Cool Spring Downtown District, and you, the listeners who just make this happen for us. We appreciate you tuning in. We appreciate you listening, and we hope that you'll share the podcast with others, that they can come to know what it's like to be um, having these conversations from Stories from the Center. Thanks so much. Be well, friends. Frederick, thanks again. Thank you. Bless you.